You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Making Waves. Uh, this is so cool. Hey, do you know who um, Tim Robinson, the comedian, is? He's a writer also. Uh, he has a show called I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. Uh, and there's also... Yeah, the, the sound effects and your vibes got a little bit of a um, a Tim Robinson, and he's one of my favorite comedians. I just wanted to ask you about that because I was noticing it. I um I actually like I'm really weird about humor. I'm glad you brought that up. And my wife, um, she's I'm really lucky to have her because I have autism, so I don't read cues well, and humor is confusing to me. But when I find something that's really funny it like lands with me forever. So I still laugh at jokes that I, that were funny to me when I was like 14 years old. So uh, most people don't, they grow out of that. The comedian that you mentioned, I only know because she watches all the hot new, like awesome comedians. And sometimes I just leave the room because I don't get it. And that one that, that you mentioned, I remembered the name. Uh, so I can't get into much more detail than that because I don't know much more than that, but I do remember that name and that being one of the specials that she kind of put on and was like, do you like this? Do you like that? But so far, the only comedy that totally makes sense in my brain, like I get every line, is a guy named Larry David. Do you know who he is? Yeah. Right? 100%. So he's just, I don't know, like, I feel like he describes my life to a T. Like, yeah. all of his jokes are exactly how the world seems to me. So I can't help but laugh at it because watching his fictional stories is like watching a documentary to me. And that is very entertaining to me. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Larry Dave is up top, very tippy top, my favorite as well. Uh, great writer as well. I mean, he says what really, we're thinking, right? Don't you think anyway? Yeah. He also does things that we we uh, definitely would love to see somebody else do in person. You know, you know, like we would love to have a friend, right? You know, that like constantly accidentally screws it up and doesn't realize that like he's screwing it up. And then thusly, everybody else is mad at him. I, I want I feel like I'm that person all the time. That's what I was going to say. You got to remember that I am that I am that person. Amazing. So watching it is like watching my life. And I'm like, see, see, see how it's happening to him. Like, and she's like, it's yeah, okay. but this, is, this isn't real. I'm like, but to me, it's real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Justin. You, Hi. Uh, we usually start this a lot differently. Uh, do you want? No, to I like. The, I, no, I like the way it goes. I, my take on Larry David is he's is is adversarial but awkward, and that's what makes it so damn funny because you just it's cringe, and it's we all love a car wreck, and that's what it always turns into a car wreck. Yeah, hi, man. That's just just the story of my life. So that's all I can say. I, I guess I relate to it in that regard, you know. But sure, um, situational comedy, absolutely. I, I noticed you're wearing a Martin shirt. Are you also a player? 
Uh, I work with brands, so I'm a huge fan of Martin. My girlfriend's an acoustic player, so we uh, we have a whole array of Martins and Gibsons. Me too. Taylors. So do I. I have all three right behind me, and I, my favorite Martin is the Tiny Dreadnought. Have you seen that? I have actually. I, I've worked with Martin uh, back in September, and they brought a whole new shipment of and stuff. So I was really good looking things, and I, that guitar especially was uh, is pretty amazing. So yeah, I love it. I play it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, I especially like it because of the size and it still has a really great tone. Yeah. She just picked up a baby Taylor, which she's just over the moon about. So it's been nice. Yeah. yeah those yeah. are cool too. But the baby Taylors, I've owned them as well. None of the ones that I own still had an input jack, right? So the Correct. Martin, you, have get, you have to get, you have to get, you have to get it put in. Correct. But the Martin mm-hmm. was already there. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. If anybody's yeah. watching and they want one that already has one, check the dreadnought out. Every year. I like it. Um, Hopefully she doesn't so, drop that, Taylor. Yeah. Because it's the baby. Uh, <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> I just hope she doesn't drop it too for other reasons, Chad. But uh, you know, there we go. <laughs> anyway, button, so, button, top button up. This so Ronnie, I, I want to get into it, bud. So you guys just played this festival. Um and we saw a little, they, we were given a little documentary on the When We Were Young Festival and, and your guys' uh, participation in it and your take on it from the mishap of the first weekend due to the high wind to the, to the hotel show you guys did. And then obviously the full concert you did the next weekend. Um, and and I, I believe it's your guitarist. I, please forgive me on his name, but the first thing he says is, I cannot believe this festival is real. And what was your take on that when you guys were announced on this festival and you're looking at the bill going, this can't be real. This has got to be, no, this is fake. What was your take on that? Interesting question. Um, So many people, I just remember this wave of uncertainty and I, um, I've always been really good at like emailing and data entry, which is not what people think about when they think about band members, but I'm, I'm, uh, neurodivergent so I'm just a little bit weirder than a typical like rock star guy I'm just not like that at all so I'm more interested in like data and like um, technology and so be- the reason why I explain that is because I got the offer in so when you're in a rock band usually there's this guy called a manager and he gets the offer in from the booking agent and then the booking agent and the manager review the offer and then they present it to whoever ex members of the party represent the band as a whole. And then they sign said contract and then everybody's happy in this band. I get the offer. It goes right into my inbox and I read it. Sometimes I'll discuss it with my agent. If I have an issue with anything, in the contract sometimes not. So being a person who received the offer and, and, and signed the contract to later see bands being like, Oh, this isn't real. This isn't real. was really kind of goofy to me. I was like, man, like, some things haven't changed. I get it. Like, you know, I've been, in, I've, I've been a professional musician according to, I guess, Billboard or whoever calculates those things for about 20 years now. So I've just seen a lot in that time. And um, for me, um, no band that is actually very like familiar with what's going on thought it was a fake. That's all I'm going to say. But because there was a couple who were unsure, it caused this rampant wave of uncertainty. Like I've never seen, I've never seen a festival get announced and then hundreds of thousands of people, it wasn't just a thousand people. It was definitely at least 50 or 60,000 people like, it's not real. It's not going to happen. This is impossible. This band says they don't, they didn't agree to it. Oh, and this band says, well, they're not really sure, but they think so. I immediately went live on Twitch because I thought it was so funny. 
during the first 24 hours. And my stream title was when we were young, it's real guys. And I was like, for an hour telling people who were dropping in on my stream and weren't even fans of my band because of the stream title, like, guys, I signed the contract. We want me to say, um, did I know every single band on the roster when I signed it? No. All I knew was they said my chem confirmed. So I said, yes. Want to know why? Because it's my more chemical and who's going to say no to that who's going to say no to that who's going to say no no? no? not me yeah i i i only asked because i thought it was i thought it was amusing because i thought it was actually a great piece of branding on their part inadvertently right they got this push because no this can't be real it's got to be real it said they know so last week they dropped this sick and twisted festival and you're looking at those bands going wait there's no way this is real and you go wait a minute they're not going to fool us again. This is, this is, this is real. Right. So all I can say is that um, from somebody who knew from the get go, you know, the other bands, it's all good, dude. They're, they're way more famous than my band will ever be. I get it. They probably have 150 emails on their stack every day, but because we're a smaller band, when those emails come in, they're important to me. So I knew about the show. I knew it was real. And when it was announced, I made sure to tell all of our fans right away that it was real. Um, But look what happened though, right? This, all of this uncertainty about the event and then the first day gets canceled. So immediately all those people came back online <laughs> and they were like, you yeah. see, we told you it wasn't going to happen. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, do they have a hand in this somehow? Like, is this some kind of universal, like all these people hating on it because they didn't get a ticket? It was really bizarre is all I got to say. The fact that day one got canceled was strange after all the hype and uncertainty. And, you know, all, like I said, I found that when they sent me the email, they said, hey, my chem's going to play. Do you want to play? I said, yeah, heck yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because Vegas is the sleight of hand. That's where you go to. Vegas is the sleight yeah, right? of hand. <laughs> so you think that if anyone was going to get hoodwinked, it would be, you know, the house always wins. But uh, I'm glad it played off. And obviously, they, they really did jump into it and, and announce next year. I assume I and I hope you guys are going to be part of that as well. I don't know. You know, I did take a look at the lineup and only I only saw one band out of the entire lineup that was a repeat. So all mm-hmm. I think they really wanted to try just a whole nother direction because the okay. first thing me and a lot of the other artists, I mean, you got to be honest. It was, I'm glad you brought up when we were young. It was a freaking amazing experience for me and the band. We had such a good time and we met a lot of our old homies that we haven't seen in forever, which used to be something that happened on the Warp Tour. You know, we would meet mm-hmm. up with these guys and, um, you know, we people you haven't seen in a long time, just that cool kind of vibe of like, dude, you know, everyone's got kids now and like, you know, some of us aren't alive anymore and some of us are and like, you know, all kinds of emotions, but like gathered together for punk rock, post-hardcore emo music, you know? So that was super sick. That was really fun for me and the band and um, everybody who showed up on, on uh, as far as the bands were concerned, I thought it was a really interesting vibe and nobody really talked about that in any of the press. So I just wanted to say that if anybody's watching, like all the bands were happy to see each other. So when I checked the list though, we were all talking about who wasn't on it. Like, oh man, why isn't this band here? Why isn't this? And sure enough, if you look at next year's list, it's all those bands, you know? So mm-hmm. I really, I think they probably got a ton of emails saying, you know what? Your lineup is killer, but what about these guys, these guys, these guys, and these guys? And they were like, oh, well, you know what? That sounds like next year to me. That's how it, that has, that's how it seems to me because not just us, I don't see any bands other than one that was re-announced, but of course they have a whole year to change the lineup, right? So yeah, no, I think they they probably ran out of the room on the ad map. We can't add any more bands. We're already full. Yes, but credit to them, I will say. And I'm not known for crediting promoters. You can quote me on that. I'm not known for that. But credit to them for pulling it off. You know what? They pulled it off. They pulled it off. Pulled it off. Pulled it off. Every band killed it. The stages rotated. 
it, the, like the whole setup was next level, man. And everybody that was there knew it. It was like, okay, this is the future of life, live music. I'm telling you right now, guys, it was something new and something cool and different. And it took a lot of risks. There was AR stuff that you could see with your phone only just popping up out of the ground. Like it was on, and I'm a dork like that. So I was like, dude, how do I get this on stage? That was my, I don't even want, I wish I didn't say that on the podcast. My first thought was, how can I incorporate this to my live show? Everybody pulls their phone up and you know what I mean? Things are coming up out of the mm-hmm. ground. Like, dude, it was just cool. That's all I got to say. Hats off to them. They really did a fantastic job. I can help you with that. We can talk about it after some, some other time. The, uh, the, I, I, uh, I'm in the market. So there you go. Thing that I wanted to, um, to, uh, to kind of state about the festival that I thought was so rad is on that day one that got canceled because of the weather, you, you teamed up with some homies uh, in Hawthorne Heights and Armor for Sleep, and you guys made essentially history. I mean, I saw that clip Thank you. when it was happening live stream. For our scene, for the people that like know what it takes to, to like pivot quickly and, and make something happen that not only satiates the fans that are there, but also, you know, like creates a milestone, you know, uh, kudos first off Thank that you guys you. went above and beyond but secondly i was I, I just wanted to ask like how did it how did all that parlay you know like day of it was madness run yeah, yeah, yeah straight, run down of like okay this isn't gonna happen we got and yeah. then yeah and if you're watching this he's watching he's referencing a mini doc we put out on our youtube channel easy to find whatever uh just look for red jumpsuit apparatus on youtube and you'll find it it'll say like when we were young mini doc or something like that but that's if you after you watch this podcast if you want to know what he's referencing but you can see that the kind of chaos in that film and like the back and forth but what you're asking me more so is like how did it come about so you know essentially um we were one of the first bands on our stage so when you're the first band you get to sound check you know, a lot of people don't like playing first, but there's some advantages. And one one huge one is sound checking because usually just the headliner sound checks. So it's like, ah, pretty cool. You know, you can set your levels. So the difference between a lot of other bands who are literally in their bus, not even awake yet, and I'm not dissing them, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be asleep. Trust me. Trust me. I would be fully 100% asleep, 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 asleep. at nine o'clock in the morning, like everybody else. We're out there staging with the crew guys because we're going on first. So when... The announcement hit. My guys heard it from the stage manager's walkie-talkie on his shoulder. Uh-huh. I mean, that's so our line of information was instant. And I mean, instant. we were still on stage because we were up first, you know, so you're allowed to stay up there. You can stay up there as long as you want. It's your guitar, your drums, your everything. You, you can do, you can sit up there if you wanted to the whole time until the first song starts and they're fine with it. So anyway, that was the shock of, of, you know, the shock we were sharing with other bands that we were friends with guys it's canceled. They're like, are you sure? I haven't heard anything from my agent. And we're like, guys, we're on stage. And they're like, oh no. Everybody was just like, oh no. You know, because they knew, first of all, we're not going to lie to our homies. And second of all, we were on stage. They're all making fun of us because we had to go first. So like everybody, <laughs> everybody knew, you know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, Trump's who ain't lying, man. They were on first. Yeah, they're right. And I even made a funny post about it saying, hey, we're playing at the butt crack of noon. So like our whole fan base knew and, uh, you know, the first person I talked to was JT. Everybody was bummed. And then, you know, we had to tear the stage down because they were just going after it, man. They were pulling, pulling cables. Everything was coming down, literally like the entire PA. I wish we could have got a better shot of that, but it was really, it was really frantic, was being yanked down. All the stages were being torn down around us in real time, instantly, as soon as they made that call. 
And by the time I got to the stage, there was almost nothing left. So it was really wild to see how like efficient they were. I can tell you that. I mean, they pulled the whole PA, all, everything down other than just the skeleton. They left the skeleton up. And all these other bands, like I said, a lot of them hadn't even woken up yet or heard anything from their agents. So Hawthorne heard right away because they were right after us. So on our set and then on the stage to the left of them. So they were there like us. And as we were walking out, you know, I said something to JT, like, what are you going to do today? He's like, I don't know. Uh, like hit me up. You know, we were both just like, ah, I don't, we didn't want to stay bombed all day. So the bands were kind of just thinking first instinct, like, um, what are we going to do? Like everybody, like nobody, knew, are we working today? You know what I mean? I thought we were working today and now you're not, um, you know, I, it was just chaos. That's all I can say. Like, uh, hopefully we showed that enough in the, in the short film. Um, and then I'm just sitting there in the hotel and I talked to my guys and I said, all right, guys, don't forget. We got a, a big show tomorrow. I'm giving them that little pep talk because um, I'm seven years sober from alcohol. So it's something that I always addressed with my band. Um, I respect them as adults and, and I'm the only official sober member in the group. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to remind them, hey, we're in Vegas. We're supposed to be working today. I am now releasing you to the city, but please uh, behave and don't, you know, don't get all sick and stuff. So tomorrow that you're really hurting because we're still going on first tomorrow. And I think tomorrow is going to go on just because today, you know, I was giving them a quick pet talk about just, I'm like a dad, man. You know what I mean? So like, I'm like, I just can't. You, li you literally are a dad. Yes, I literally am a dad. So I've turned, I've changed over <laughs> the years. You know, back in the day, just a short eight years ago, I would have been like, it's rage time. And we just went, <laughs> went out. I'm telling you as a group and we would have raged. And then, so we're all just chilling. And I, I gave them the update and then I'm, I'm giving my manager and everybody else the update. And I'm giving anybody on social media an update because the saddest thing is as we were walking out, we saw all these people walking out and it's a long walk. It's a long walk to try to just imagine 60,000 people and how are they all going to get in, in a long line. Right. And we're trying to tell people and, you know, they don't want to believe it. And that's okay. Cause it was really honestly heartbreaking and people were crying and it, it was just like, Oh, geez, this is, this sucks, man. Like there's no positive way to this. And then JT, so you know, all the credit goes to him. I really want to say that. Um, he called me. He's like, Hey man, what are you up to? And you know, I was like <laughs> sitting here bombed in, in my hotel room, just trying to figure out what to do. I think I'm going to go to the arcade because I picked circus circus because there's a lot of fun stuff to do that's not at the bar. And I, I so that's what I do. And uh, I was about to go down there and ride some roller coasters. And he was like, dude, I think we're going to play a free show at the Strat. Um, I don't know what's going on, but I just called the manager and he sounds like he's going to let me do it. And we feel bad for everybody. And I was like, dude, I feel bad for everybody too. But everybody was calling me. I was getting emails about shows that bands were putting together for money. You know, there's still going to be a small ticket price, you know, and they were negotiating fees. And I just wasn't into that at all. I was like, oh, too much has happened today. Like, I, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, so I just told my agent, I'm not interested. Thank you. Thank you for anybody that reached out about, you know, because uh, on the business side of things, just so everybody knows the bands don't get paid the same when there's a weather cancelization. So, you know, they were doing their diligence as managers and agents and trying to bring in income instead of the company, uh, you know, gaining zero income that day. And, you know, I just passed because it just felt uh, rushed and I, I couldn't pick a number and I felt bad for all these people. So JT called me and I, that's what I said. I said, I, I'm not interested, man, unless it's free. And he goes, Ronnie, it's free. It's me. And I was like, okay, okay. So what's production like? He was like, Ronnie, it's me. There's no production. I was like, <laughs> crap. He was like, 
I was like, do you have any more details? He's like, not much. I asked him. They said, yes, we're going punk rock, man. We got nothing. No drums, no guitars. I was like, is there microphones? He's like, there's a center vocal microphone. I was like, okay. What about acoustics? He said, they, they said that they have a guy who knows how to run acoustics. And I was like, oh boy, man, this sounds crazy. And he was like, he was like, don't worry about it, man. Everything's going to be okay. I just need a yes or a no from you. Cause I, you know, I want to, I called you first and I had to think about it. I, I said, let me call you right back. I got to make sure the guys haven't disappeared. I don't know where they are. We're in Vegas and they're off. You know what I mean? Like they could be anywhere doing anything. Let your imagination run wild. Uh, I'm the only good boy. And, you know, luckily for me, they were all in the hotel planning out what they were going to do. You know, they were right there together in a group. And I was like, oh, perfect. You guys are all together. And they were just like, you know, also bummed for the people. They saw all the posts online. They were looking online on Instagram of people just so heartbroken and sad. And I was like, guys, JT just called me. He talked to the Strat, literally the hotel, the ho- this, this singer from a band that he's staying at the Strat. He's just a, he's just a guy staying at the Strat. He picked up his hotel phone, said, can I speak to the manager? I love this guy. I've loved him forever. We've been friends for 20 years. We've been, and we both laugh. We've been through the emo trenches. Cause by the way, guys, emo wasn't always cool. Emo wasn't emo always, cool. wasn't always cool. I'm glad that it is now. And I think that's <laughs> fantastic that it is now and I'm loving life, but it wasn't always cool. We were definitely marginalized at one point, like all great rock genres to be a rock genre. You have to be burnt through the forge of scrutiny of mass media. And then you have become a rock genre forever. So a thousand examples will probably come to your mind, starting with, Oh, I don't know the Beatles. They actually burned Beatles albums, guys. Like if they were some kind of like death metal band, right? So like, anyway, you got to get made fun of before you're accepted into the rock world. And we knew that. And we survived the emo trenches together. And I was glad you mentioned that, Chad, when you said our scene, our scene knows how to handle this kind of stuff. JT is an elder of the scene. He is the elder. People call me elder emo. I am, but he hit it before I hit it. You know what I mean? So like, I have a lot of respect for that dude. And if it wasn't for him, I would have said no. And I told him that. I said, JT, if it wasn't you on the phone, I'd say no. But you know what? Let's go for it. He's like, all right, man, it's going to get crazy. Um, we don't have security. Um, I'm not exactly sure how you're going to get in, but just call me when you get here and then you, you can watch the film for the rest. And it really was exactly how I described it. It was total insanity. Um, some people were getting you know, <laughs> taken away by the cops because they were mad. People were saying, oh, they're not letting you in with a room key. Guys, that's after it was at capacity. That's after they let thousands of people in. Then they had to say, oh, well, we're at capacity. So if you have a room key, you're good. And when I explained that to people, they're like, oh, we didn't, they didn't know that thousands of people already got in for free. They weren't, they didn't ask for nothing. Every, they let all a whole trove of people in. And then eventually, you know, cops are like, guys, you got it. You're at capacity. So that's what actually happened. And when I explained that to people, they chilled out. They should have just got there faster. And I don't know what to tell some, look, you should have got there faster. He made a post about it and we shared his post and it went insane. It went viral. I was told 20,000 people showed up at one point. And JT was the one who literally just called me and said, dude, we have nothing. It's probably not going to go well, but we're going to go for it. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that's, Here we are. that's, that's, that's the emo way, man. The hall show days, all of that cut from the same cloth. And I, I know JT very well. And yeah. that, uh, that's exactly you. Thank you. It Thank felt you like for, a hall show, brother. It really yeah. did. I'm glad yeah. you said that. It felt it felt like a glorified hall show. <laughs> totally. Amazing. All right. I, I got to bring up this thing. I, I, I want to bring it up because I want to talk about what's going on going forward with the band and you and everything like that. But so face down. 
is now slated as one of the top 40 alternative rock songs of all time as chosen by certain uh, media outlets. How are you feeling about that? Yes. Um, greatest of all time. Greatest of all greatest time. Of all time. Of all time. AKA emo go. Emo go. Emo go. That is my emo new persona. You can, if you decide, if you decide to buy into the hype, which I encourage you to, because life is more fun when you do, you can call me emo goat. Um, yes. A highly, <laughs> a highly accredited website who has looked at way more sophisticated than I ever will be named face down as one of the 25 greatest song, uh, alternative greatest songs of all time. And I think it's the first time in my career I actually took something seriously. I was like, holy crap. You know, like I'm such a, such a kind of nerdy jokester. That's how I've survived a career that has been very up and down. I have told people many times we've been as high as you can go and as low as you can go and everywhere in between. And like so many bands I've met have only had bad times and never had a hit or only had hits and never had a bad time. And we're more regular. A lot of bands know what I mean by that roller coaster. You just, you just hang in there and you focus on your music. But for a long time, that was hard on me and hard on the guys. So for me to finally reach emo goat status, it feels amazing. I'm not going to lie. I finally, I really did look back at all the years I've put into this band, all the time and the money. And believe me, it has been a lot. Um, because I am the original guy, still here, still fighting, still alive, still going for it. And there have been really, really dark times and really amazing times. And this was one of those times where I just sat there for a minute and I was like, dude, this is a big deal, Ron. You know, just had a moment and just took it in. Not many times has that happened to me. So I do appreciate you bringing it up. And it feels really good to be noticed, you know, to have a small little uh, imprint in the rock world. You're uh, you're the you're the Tom Brady of the e, the emo scene. So, Thank um, you. I love the, it. so okay. Let me ask both of you guys, uh, Ronnie. You're an analytical guy. Three hundred and forty-seven million streams. We always know that doesn't equate to monetary value, uh, unfortunately, just to the way the accounting works with the uh, streaming. However, three hundred and forty-seven million streams for one song. Correct. Hmm. That. Chad, you jump in here too. That is staggering when you yeah. think, how is that even possible? There's three. Is that I obviously a lot of people hit the song over and over because they love it and they're gonna they've probably streamed it a thousand million times. But you think, God, if if they only streamed it five times a piece, that's still a lot of people selectively, individually picking up on this song. So half a billion, almost a half a billion, man. That's crazy. You want to hear another staggering number on top of that one? And I do appreciate you knowing the facts. In the last nine days, another 1.18 mil 1 million have heard the symphonic edition of the same song. That's in the yeah. last nine days. Over 1.1 million people have heard the new version of the song Face Down. So that's not including in that 347. Um, and all it tells me is it's alive and well, clearly. It's alive and breathing. It, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, we always talk about technology and the, the detriment is what it's done as far as the label side. Hey, we got to tour more because we can't sell records because everyone's streaming it. But the idea that people are consuming your music in that quantity is it kind of makes up for some of the downsides of, of streaming uh, sure. as far as like from a business perspective. It does. Um, and if you want to jump into the business of it, and part of the reason why it does is because we are a band that actually wrote our own music. <laughs> so that is a big difference here. A lot of very popular bands work with 
producers who co-write most of their material or are there artists who ghostwrite? We don't. So that, that number is big. And, and what you were saying does matter to us because we actually did write it and we do are, we are monetarily taken care of because of that. And that's, it's a big fact to remember to those younger musicians out there. It's not all about the hype. You need to make your own art too. If you want to make this a business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What I think is amazing too is it, it, on top of all of these incredible milestones that very recently the band has has hit on you know through this twenty year journey that you you've been on to pay it forward and to make sure that you, you know like what the song stands for is actually standing up in twenty twenty two and in in raising its hand as like a a beacon for what you can do as with your career and point it towards domestic shelters, you know, the, the the charity that you guys have partnered with to raise this awareness about, you know, what lyrically this whole song is even encompasses. So like, how do you, I mean, how does that feel? That's got to be incredible just to be able to do what you wanted to do with the lyrics in a tangible way. Right. I mean, all credit goes to the director, honestly, which, you know, this is our first female director. And you can kind of see the touch. I don't know if you guys have had an opportunity to see the new video, but it is, it is great. Um, and the first one, you know, when you mentioned that number 347 million, it's like, holy crap, you know, like for me, I mean, I'm just a regular guy, man. Like we are the band that are regular guys. We never really got too much into like elaborate stage shows. We, we still to this day have never worn makeup live. We don't have, extravagant wardrobe we've i always wanted people to know that we are what it looks like if a garage band gets a record deal if just mm -hmm. a bunch of kids in the neighborhood got together who listened to similar music and wanted to just go for it with no guidance no clue about style no clue about anything no clue on how to be cool and just focused on the music this is what you, this is what that band would look like and this is what we've evolved into over the years and we've just always remained being that band so when i think about things like how do we connect that to something like domesticshelters.org? I just, my, what I kept saying is, what did we do the first time? You know, I'm, I'm not, I've been called a lot of things in my life, but never really like a smart man. You know what I mean? So like what I learned, how I get through life is if you do something really well, do it again. Or if you really hated something, don't do that again. And that's called simple logic, right? But you'd be surprised how many people you meet including myself until I learned this, don't apply that to their everyday life. So when I was looking at this video, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. My brother, Randy, co-produced the song. So he was in there in, in Cubase, which is the digital audio workstation that we use, the DAW. Uh, a lot of people use Pro, uh, Pro Tools, Logic. Randy uses Cubase. He's been working on this thing for two years, bringing it up. Hey, man, how do you feel about Symphonic Edition? How do you feel about Symphonic Edition? And I'm like, dude, I feel great when you play me something. Cause you got to remember we're in a band, but we're brothers. So like you can't delegate nothing to me. It ain't going to happen. I'm already doing a lot. I'm already my, believe me when I tell you, you know, the, the, the management, uh, you know, I have a co-manager now, Steve, who's fantastic, but I do a lot of the management as well. We have a 50, 50 workload. So I'm just already doing a lot for the band. Um, and I was like, look, man, you got to bring me the music. So COVID hit, this is after he bugged me about it for a couple of years and he finally plays me one of the tracks. It's face down. It's, it's what's now out there when what you're talking about, the video that we're referencing in this current thread. There you go. I finally got to listen to it. And I said, dude, this is great. Uh, and we were quarantined for the first time in our career. So for the, a lot of bands on when we were young, they had hiatuses or they broke up for a while. We didn't. We just toured the emo trenches. We just got, we just got downsized, went back into the white 15 passenger van, 
sold out small, tiny little clubs for about six years and had a great time doing it. It's called the underground guys. It's still alive and well, and we really enjoyed it. And now, you know, we're peeking our heads back out of the underground, back in the mainstream. And that's been fun too. And JT is also having that same experience. So I finally got an opportunity during COVID because we weren't touring to check out the track Randy sent me. And I tested it live very much like this Zoom call right now. I played it on my PC so they could hear the audio. And I just sang over top of the track because there wasn't any vocals yet because I just got it from them. They all loved it. So in live real time via stream, I tested it on my hardcore audience and they loved it. So I told Randy, all right, man, let's go for it. How many more do you got? He was like, dude, I got like six already. I was like, sweet. That means we're halfway there. You know, <laughs> so it was really nice to have my brother on the engineering team. Um, he is very talented when it comes to all that kind of stuff. He's a fantastic engineer. Um, so he finished out the album and I started kind of where uh, he left off with the first six songs. By the time I caught up with those, he had finished the rest and we made it into an album. So that's a, if you're watching this, a lot of people don't know that we didn't actually announce that we have alluded to it in comments. We did make a full album. We didn't just do one song. So if all the people out there who are loving face down symphonic edition, thank you for the love. Thank you for watching the video. Thank you for adding the song, but guess what? There's another 10 coming because we are doing the whole record. Yeah, what I find super interesting about that is you've taken a song that had a life of its own for quite a while and gotten plenty of accolades. Now, to talk about the cruise, one of your shipmates falling in reverse did the same thing with uh, a vampire, right? They turned it into this this That's symphonic right. piece and, and it becomes a new life. It gives it obviously a, ma a massive cinematic scope. Right. And, and the way that people consume media now, like Game of Thrones and all these kind of like epic adventure things, taking face down and adding a symphonic thing now opens it up to a whole new audience and a new way to utilize that song somewhere else other than just being, you know, if you want to license it out or whatever, now it gives it that, that kind of that secondary market. Sure. I, you know, I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, Ronnie Radke, or as I affectionately call him, the, the more famous Ronnie, you know what I mean? More famous, more famous, more famous, more famous, more Ronnie. famous Ronnie. Um, he's awesome. And I don't know if he remembers me, but I hung out with that dude way back uh, on Warped Tour uh, back in the day when he was with Escape the Fate. And he was always cool to me. And at the time, Face Down was just popping off. I mean, it was Face Down's time at that time. And uh, a lot of people kind of treated me weird, but I also am, uh, I do, you know, I'm neurodivergent. So sometimes I just think that. And I just have very strong memories of him always being super cool to me. He was always very nice to me. And every time we passed, we thought it was funny that we were both named Ronnie. So there's my Ronnie Radke story. Never really saw him again after that. Life has moved on. I do remember when his video came out. And the difference between his video and mine is, first of all, his is better. I mean, it's just unbelievable. When he redid the vampire, um, uh, revamped, I was floored. I was like, holy crap, this is the best thing I have ever seen in my life. That's what I thought. I really thought... I actually thought it might have been the best video I've ever seen in my life. I was completely blown away, but maybe that's because I had no idea what I was about to watch, or maybe it's because I had no idea that it was even coming out. I wasn't part of the pre-roll. When you're in a band, you don't follow like the pre-hype, the pre-single hype, because you know you've met all these guys and it's just different. But when somebody, when a band is video or song is out, you always check it. All my bandmates do, and you know we jam the songs. Um, but I saw that the video was out and I clicked on it and I watched it. And uh, I was happy that I was so blown away. But when I was thinking about our video, 
Um, I knew two things. Number one, we don't have that budget. They're on a fantastic label that's done a fantastic job for them. And I went back into the underground and we left our uh, label in 2010, right? So for 12 years, we have been fully self-sustained. So I don't have that budget. And number two, um, I have this really big problem with face down one to compete with. And it's like the Hulk. It's like the Avenger, the Hulk. I mean, it's face down one, guys. Like the way we look at it, we, we definitely respect it. Like we're like, wow, this song really resonated. Like this song really, so many people have told us that it's literally changed their lives that eventually you have to believe in them. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Like what happened with this song? No band can really take credit for something like that. Um, it happened on its own. So I had to, we had to compete with that. That's all I'm saying. It's a little different than, you know, Ron, the other more famous Ronnie, um, he just went for it and nailed it is all I'm saying. Like, I didn't really feel like <laughs> it's true guys. He's more famous. I understand. I respect that dude. And you know what? I'm stoked to see them play. Cause right now zombified is my jam. And I'm just going to say it right now. Zombified, zombified is my jam. Is my jam. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite uh, reverse song out of the entire discography. So I'm stoked to watch it every night and I don't care what anybody says. I'll be in the, in the crowd with a sign saying I'm the less famous Ronnie. <laughs> And maybe one person will notice that, but I will. <laughs> I was competing. Literally, our band was competing with our own Hulk, our own face down. That's all I'm saying. So my my fear was we're never gonna top it. We're never gonna come close. We're never gonna, we're gonna completely fail here, even though the recording, the actual audio recording was great. Randy did a fantastic job. He really did. And then I did my thing on vocals. You know, I, I sang the song and I, I gave it my heart. And I gave it my all. And I knew, it was, I knew it was the absolute best I could sing it. And the mix came out great. But there was no video yet. So I told uh, the director that I was, I was just like, I didn't really want to do it. And that um, for the first time in the history of our career, I, I didn't want to do it. That I was just dragging my feet. It, it happened to be my wife because my wife directs films. She said, well, give me a chance. I said, okay. Because I already told my co-manager in New York that we're going to have to get some kind of outside input. It's been a long time since we've done that in this band. It's been over a decade since we've done that in this band. So I had to remember even what to do. He's like, all right, I'll get a bunch of, uh, you know, stories sent in. And then she said, well, let me, let me take a shot. Um, remember there's nothing, there's no direction or anything. It's just, okay, here's the, here's the acoustic or here's the symphonic edition audio and that's it. Oh. And then Steve goes, well, Hey, that's my co-manager. Um, I like to give credit where it's due. He goes, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. If we could get the same actress, that would be amazing. And I was like, whoa, what? I just never even thought of that. I never thought of that ever. It was his idea, Steve. And he actually was our first manager and our first A&R. He found us and signed us to Virgin Records. And we didn't work with, with each other for about eight years. And now we're working together again. So it's good to have him back in the jumpsuit family. And he just, I was like, I have no idea like how we would incorporate that into the story. Like it, it seems like an impossible task. Fast forward, I told Angela that all we have is one thing. We're thinking about approaching the old actress. We have no idea if she's interested. We have no idea if she's even going to answer our emails. We have no idea if she even acts anymore. We have no idea if she looks back at it like a good thing or a bad thing in her life. We pretty much don't know anything, but we all think it's a good idea. And that's all we have. So she came back about 25 minutes later with the story and she gave it to me. And I sat down and I read it and I was floored. I was just completely blown away and I'm just not blown away. I'm not that kind of person. I don't easily get impressed, especially when we're talking about something that I have something so much ownership, like a song that I actually wrote on my own, which is face down. Um, and there you go. Like I just, 
I was so blown away by it. I said, well, you got to direct it um, because I don't trust anybody else to protect it the way that you would. And fast forward 30 days later, this all happened so fast. Kendra, we had to have a story to pitch to Kendra. What are we going to say? Like, that's the name of the actress that we brought back. Hey, we really want to bring you back. Hope you're having a good day. You know, like that's not how you, that's not how you, uh, right. you know, actors and actresses are used to getting a script, a shot list, some kind of guide to what they're agreeing to. So that's why I felt so much urgency. Like, Hey, who cares if she even does want to say yes, we got nothing guys. We got nothing. We have nothing to offer here other than some idea. And luckily for me and the band, and we're all really grateful. Angela just knocked it out of the park with this story. And then, uh, what you see is just her directing out the story that she wrote. And uh, we reached out to domesticshelters.org because in the first video, like I said, if you know you did something right the first time, just do it again. So I said, look, guys, we did a lot of really fantastic work with the National Coalition Against uh, Domestic Violence the first time around. But this time I want to use an organization that's a little bit more small. We raised a bunch of awareness for a massive organization. And I was only 22. So I didn't, I didn't understand that fully at 22. Right. Um, and now I'm like, hey, if we're going to do this again and take everything we got and we're going to push face down and we're going to try to change lives again, this time I want to help somebody small that's really strong and like pure. We found domesticshelters.org. They are amazing. Um, if you go to their website, you can learn all about them. So I just tell everybody to just go ahead. They have uh, some FAQs and talking points that you can review. But the long story short is they're the very first domestic violence awareness website. They're the first guys, number one where if you didn't know where to go, they had all the resources pulled. All these other massive organizations with all the money and all the help didn't have that. They just had their resources and their contacts. And, you know, so being the first to ever do that was really cool to me, even though they were so tiny and basically self-funded. So they're just really great. Um, so the question that I get asked the most over the last 20 years is, what do I do if I want out? I tell them, the same thing you do when you want to learn about anything, pull open your phone and instead of going to uh, Google and just searching, what do I do? Type in domesticshelters.org and they will tell you what to do. Before that website, there wasn't really a lot. You would have to try to connect them with a shelter physically. This website will help them do that. So I was happy that they were A, existed, B, that the um, organization knew who we were. You know, hey, we're just some emo band, man. Like that doesn't necessarily mean they're fans of Face Down. Um, and we found out that one of the people that we worked with forever ago was there. So we felt super comfortable. We're like, oh, you actually, we worked with you. So it was like a happy, you know, the domestic violence awareness community is is small. So I guess in hindsight, I maybe should have expected that. But I was just happy that this uh, particular person was still alive, still doing it, still fighting the fight. You know, so all of that came together, guys, in 30 days. And I don't know if you know anything about videos, but that's breakneck anxiety-ridden speed. It was so fast and unbelievably complicated to put all that together. So I just can't compliment the director enough, who, by the way, I had no intentions of hiring. It all just plopped right in my lap. Uh, yeah, and, and then here we are. So I'm just happy that it translated. Um, uh, you know, look, Taylor Swift came out with an a song the same day and an album that completely trounced us like she should. I'm not trying to say it's a worldwide phenom, but I'm really proud of what we made this time around. And I know that our real fans are. I know that they are. So that's why I gave it such a long explanation. I loved every minute of the minute. Well, you, you were very thorough. Um, so listen, since you are coming on the ship with us, which we're stoked about, and uh, we, uh, you ever done a cruise? You ever been on a cruise? 
I'm so cruise ready. You don't look at me okay. wearing my. You guys didn't even notice. I'm wearing my cruise shirt, man. Look at yeah. this. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, striped one. Yes. <laughs> I, got, I got it okay. on. Well, I ask you that question because we do a thing called walk the plank. It's a little segment we do. We ask you a question, random, and you give just whatever answer that pops in the, the, the you know the first thing that pops into your head. So, uh, Chad, you want to start your with your walk the plank for a Ronnie? Oh hell yeah! What's the what? What's your favorite word to say out loud, Ronnie? Sassafras. Sassafras. And uh, I, I had to pick something that was going <laughs> to trigger the sound effects. Sassafras mm -hmm. is a great choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a you know, I tell you who loved that word also was um, I think it was Stymie from the Little Rascals. Oh, there you go! Wow, yeah, yeah. Sassafras. Rascal. Little little rascal action. <laughs> My question to you is if you had to for one year live as an animal, what animal would it be and why? Um, I would have to go with sniff. And that what? would be sloth. That would be sloth. Um <laughs> I tried to say it low and deep like this. <laughs> because everybody else wants me to move quickly and I can't, guys. I'm just not that fast. I too okay. love sloths. Yeah, they were cute. They're awesome, actually. All right. Now here's a here's a little uh, a little a little stick in the spokes. Every time that we do this, we also include a question that our previous guest has asked oh. um, to ask uh, for us to ask the, the next week's guest, which would be you, uh, and then you get to pass on the tradition. Um, we don't tell that guest who you would be who the next week's guest is. And we're not going to tell you who's asking the question until you answer it. And if you're cool with that, I'm going to go ahead and move forward with uh, that process. That sounds fantastic. It's like a mystery dating. Let's do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> who would right? win in in a folk style wrestling match? Lemmy or God? Mm, okay. Folk style. All right. Folk well. style is singlet, traditional, you know, well, on the mat. Um, uh, let's see. Well, I'll start with, I know about singlets because I wrestled in high school and I, I, I have been, really? I have been trained in the old ways of hand to hand wrestling, uh, per, uh, uh, combat, if you will. Um, and I would have to say God, because he'll just smash him into a pancake in like light speed form. But you know, I know that's not the cool response. Some people are like, oh, he didn't even try. So I'll just say Lemmy to make them happy. How's that? I think you tried more than saying Lemmy to make them happy because that would just be the uh, the uh, the not trying uh, version I, of that answer. I'm just so literal. Uh, you know, I, I got to ask. I, you know, I got to chime in here real quick. Okay. Uh, God was a little bit shorter than lemmy so he had this lower body propensity that would probably work him better around the hip grab uh maybe get lemmy down quick is lenny's a little gangly yeah. so uh big tree fall hard and so i'm gonna go with the lord on this one okay <laughs> there you go well, two lords i'll tell you what <laughs> yeah, no. i'll tell you what on a completely side note uh rest in peace because i did meet and hang out with that gentleman at the Jimmy Kimmel show, he came out when we played. And I thought that was really amazing. Um, and we got to meet him and hang out with him backstage. And uh, he's a really, really, really super cool guy. So I'm, I literally yeah, Lord? I drank the Lord. Yes, the Lord. <laughs> Me, the Lord, and, and a bottle of Jack Daniels. And that's true. And we, and we shared that bottle 
pre-COVID, mouth to mouth, baby, mouth to mouth. Mm. <laughs> just one, yeah, there, just two mouths, one hole. Like you, yeah. some, some of it comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he was a rare breed, absolutely. Um, so well, you got to ask a question, Ronnie. Ronnie's got to ask a question. You got a question for, for our next guest, who we do not know yet. Okay, let's see. Um, oh, dang it. I'm not good at being funny. Uh, let's see. It doesn't have to be funny. It could be serious. Um, it's super serious. Hmm. Okay, well, dang. See, my question's always like accidentally pointed. Like, what's the difference between starboard and aft? But I already know they're not going to know the answer. You know what I mean? So I don't want to set them up to be like, oh, he outsmarted me. So um, let's see. Do it. Let's That's let's great. embarrass these people. Yeah, <laughs> it makes oh, for good content, Ronnie. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. Okay, well there you go. What's the difference between forward and aft? <laughs> and it's ship related. Wow, I know. Yeah. I'm wearing the shirt, guys. What else do you want from me? I'm giving you everything I got. Everything. <laughs> I got everything I got. All the fucking ocean. <laughs> All ocean. Damn it. <laughs> I love so it. Ronnie, What's the difference between what, a starboard and an aft? Starboard, aft and yeah, aft and board. Uh, so, Ronnie, what's on that? What's on the table for you guys going forward into 2023? Um, we're really pumped about the cruise. Um, like I said, I'm so looking forward to uh, a lot of the bands on the bill, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm really just it's it's cool, man, because like we have, um, I have, I am an avid cruiser. I haven't just been on a few; I've been on many. And uh, it's always been a good time for me. I've never performed on one. And many, many times I have sat there and watched performers and thought, that's cool. I'd like to do that one day. I have. I've had those thoughts. So I'm kind of just super stoked on it. After Shiprock, like every other band out there, we're going to probably do a headlining tour sprinkled in with some festival dates and finish the out outroll of our Symphonic Edition, Don't You Fake It, Symphonic Edition album, followed by... Um, a brand new uh, series of singles, um, uh, first of which is with a guy named Kellen Quinn from S Sleeping With Sirens, which is a big deal to our community because we haven't done any actual real legitimate what you would call collabs until now. Um, so the first one is with Kellen Quinn. The second one is with Craig Mabbitt. And the third one, I'm still waiting on an answer for. I put out an, an, a request live on Twitch to Ronnie Radke to be number three. So if he says yes, it would be Kellen Quinn from Sleeping in the Sirens, you know, Craig Mapp from Escape the Fate and Ryan Racky from Falling Reverse, all three different collab tracks. So we'll see. Even if he doesn't say yes, though, the other two are coming out. Um, and then, you know, that's what we got coming up. Why don't you and Craig uh, go ahead and just kind of corner him on the ship and uh, know, right? get him a little get him a little arm bar. I know, right? Until he says, until he says yeah, give me. I think Bring that's your great idea. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. But this is just like, you know, this is all non-management, non-label, me reaching out to guys like, you know, non-conventionally. So like, that's how the first two came about. So it's just kind of cool in general. It's just very punk rock DIY. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get the suits involved. Don't get the yeah. suits involved. I do. They wear hey, singlets. Uh, I'll tell you what, maybe after, maybe after ship rocked, uh, the more famous Ronnie will finally agree. And then the trio of Tara will be complete and we will release it. I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, just an idea. If you guys are going to put out a symphonic album, um, are you guys going to play in the opera houses to maybe do a one-off or two-off of, uh, and maybe around the Jacksonville area? Like, hey, there hometown, where the, where the suits, uh, black ties and everything. 
What a great point. Uh, life, I actually really enjoy how insightful you are. I can tell. Um, yes, I have considered that. Um, and I like what you said about not a lot of shows, right? So the mm-hmm. basic idea, I feel like you read my mind almost. The, base, the basic idea I pitched to the band was, let's do six shows or eight at the most. Three to four on the East, three to four on the West, and one or two in the Midwest. So we'll play the places that we, we all time have loved where our fan base mm-hmm. has remained strong through the good days and the bad days, the places that really, in my opinion, deserve to see it. And we're going to do theaters with seats and we're going to bring in some orchestral instrumentation and we're going to do it right. And we're going to do about six to eight shows only. And that is the plan. And that's why I didn't mention it. Cause I was still uh, sussing it out. Oh but- God. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag. So. Ah, and you know what? I think anybody, um, you might have to drive a little bit, you know, normally when red jumpsuit goes on tour or any band, we try to get close to all of the major cities and all that, but this isn't about that. This is more about the right theater for the right people. The, uh, you should, you should call it a night at the opera anyway. Um, there you go. all right. Yeah. I'm just sorry. Night at the emo opera. I like that. Yeah. Night at the emo opera. There we go. That's right. Crying will be crying will be uh will will be applauded. <laughs> um, he has a tissue on it. Crying will be <laughs> that's right. Crying will be <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. right, that's right, that's right. It's gonna be brought to you by Kleenex. There, oh, um, hey, get on it, Kleenex. Make some money. <laughs> Make some fucking money. <laughs> you go. You, I, want, I want commission hey, on that. You, you yeah. hey, listen, you, Ronnie, man, we've had it. you for over an hour. I know you started out big with Al talking here, and we appreciate you kind of segueing into just talking music and everything else that's going on with you and, and the bands. So we appreciate your time tonight, man. Uh, we Thank look you. forward to seeing you in January. Me too. And happy holidays. Best to your family. Thank you. And and uh, we'll do this again. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll cross bows on the cruise, and we can we can get you up there for a Q and A on the stage. That'd be awesome, man. Thanks for your time, guys. We really are super pumped. Um, thanks for having us this year. We think the lineup is killer. All of our friends are like happy for us. Just we're happy to just we're that band that's just happy to be here again. So thanks for having us. I love it. Just like the sloth, just happy to be here. Um, <laughs> I, hung, I hung in there long enough, guys. That's exactly. What <laughs> Hang in there. It's Friday. Hey, right. listen. Uh, before we cut. Before we cut here, let me, I just got to thank a few people that make this this thing happen. Sure. Just obviously you talked to them before our producer show of the show, Al McManus, our show engineer Jennifer Zito, our show coordinator Heather Smith, and the captain Alan Koenig. So thank you so much for uh, for spending time with us. Thank you guys. Yeah. Have an awesome day. And if you need anything, let me know. Bye bye. Bon, wait, 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 wait. What? Bon voyage. Bon voyage. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.